morning. Did you enjoy the morning off? Did you enjoy your morning off? Still enjoying my my week. When Monday's gone, or when, when there's Monday holiday, my whole week gets thrown off. I didn't realize until Friday that I hadn't written a set list. And I was like, you know what? Let's make it easy this week. There's some Well, good morning, everybody. Morning, morning, morning. Uh, I was waiting for the thumbs up from the back, so I was standing there like, now? Now? No, now? So it's excited to hang out with you guys this morning. If you're joining us online, uh, good morning as well. I hope you guys are excited. I noticed in the weather this week that it's not going to be hot this next week, which, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm already tired of the heat, but... Um, if you can and you're able to, why don't you guys stand up and uh, let's sing this morning. Can we unmute the guitar? Never said it would be easy. You never said there'd be no pain. But you promised you'd go with me. 
and your promises you always keep. And Lord, I confess, Lord, I confess how much I need you. I confess that I am weak. I can't promise I won't fail you, but your promises will not fail me. Sing it out when I'm in the valley. When I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil. When enemies surround me, you prepare a table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. a single day but your presence is my shelter your presence is my victory sing it out when I'm in the valley when I'm in the valley God I will fear no evil when enemies surround me you prepare a table surely goodness and mercy Follow me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me when I'm in, when I'm in the valley, God, I will fear no evil when enemies surround me. Surround me, you prepare a table. 
that one, that, I, every time I sing that song, I'm, I just tell myself, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm going to make it through this time. And I can't, I have a hard time singing that bridge. God, I can't see it all. But I've seen enough to know that you are a faithful God. No matter what comes at us, no matter what life brings you, God, God, we, I, could, I can't see it, but I know that you got it. And uh, it's one of those things that like it feels like a, a nice thing to say, but to mean it is to God to go, today, God, I just, I'm going to declare it, God, that I can't see the end of the, I can't see the end of the road, but you know what obstacles are in front of me, and I know that you're going to help me get around them. He's an amazing God, amen? Let's keep singing this morning.
Father, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you that we can come and declare those truths. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this time. It probably sings your name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Solana Valley. We're so glad that you're all here today. I'm loving seeing all these beautiful faces and everyone online joining us. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. And we'd like to remind you, if this is your first time today, we do have our kids program that's going on. And the kids have been coming in during worship and then going to their class during the service. So we're excited that we have that started. And we also have our youth group going on every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So one of our values here at SVC is to be relationally warm, and that's really done through getting to know people through friendships, and one of the ways we like to do that is through our groups. 
And one of the, uh, we've got five groups going on right now. So if you're not currently connected, we just want to encourage you to get plugged in, uh, dive in and get connected and build some friendships and start really growing in your relationship with God. Also tonight, back here at the church at 630, we have our revival prayer. And this is something that we come together once a month and we focus on praying and seeking God's face, praying for our community, our world, our church, our families. And there's something really special about coming together and praying together and agreeing with one another and seeking God's face. And right now, our Bible study, we're going through the armor of God. And we actually watched that movie last night, War Room. And it was just a reminder for me that as a Christian and a follower of Jesus, when we pray, we're doing battle against the enemy. And so when we come together and pray for our community and our world and our families, we're battling the true enemy, and we're fighting the way God wants us to, and that's with prayer. So we'd love to see you tonight at 630 right here at the church for our revival prayer. And at this time, we're going to worship God with our giving. And uh, there's five ways that you can give, and you can give online at www.solanavalley.org slash giving. You can tap give on the SVC phone app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text give to 707-883-3019. And then if you're here in person, you can drop off your offering in the silver slot that's behind the media center back here. So, and I want to give a special thank you because you have been so generous, and uh, thank you for your giving to the ministry here at Solana Valley. And so at this time, I would like to invite Gary back up. He is going to continue our series on building stronger homes, so come on up, Gary. All right. Thank you. A little tweet. Appreciate that. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Fantastic. It's good to see everybody today. Uh, glad you can be with us. And uh, those of you uh, who are watching on Facebook, those of you who are watching on YouTube, we're really glad you're with us as well. Uh, today we're going to finish off our series on building stronger homes. We're going to look at parenting a little bit. Uh, but what we're going to talk about is going to be a, a lot. It is about parenting. It is. But it's about a lot more than that. So I think some people can kind of shut down and think, well, I don't have any young children anymore. And what I'm going to tell you is what we're going to talk about is intensely practical for every single person here and uh, hugely important. But before I, I dig into that real quick, I um, uh, just so you know, June 15th is coming. And for those of you who don't really know what that's about, basically means our state is open up completely from COVID-19. That's good news. Yeah, you can celebrate if you want to, all right? Yeah, all right. Uh, you don't have to, but you can. So what this means for us is we have chosen our elder team in prayer, seeking wisdom from God. We have chosen to be a witness for Christ by complying with state guidelines and uh, by being humble in how we follow Jesus, because we believe that humility is one of the best ways that we uh, can be a witness to our community. So uh, what we have tried to do is we've tried to follow the way of Jesus, which is the way of meekness, and uh, we have tried to be a representative for Christ in that way. 
And so what we're going to be doing is uh, post June 15th, you no longer have to wear your mask. Uh, I sometimes forget my mask. I'll be real honest with you. I routinely forget my mask. Uh, but I, uh, but we no longer have to wear our, our mask uh, unless we haven't been vaccinated, okay? And so those have, and it's all on an honor system. Uh, that's what the state has said. That's what we're going to do. So we're not going to be, you know, do you have your little vaccination card? We're not going to be doing that, all right? Uh, so we're going to we're just going to state it's going to be on the honor system. And there are some of us who may choose to continue to wear a mask for reasons that we may not fully understand. They may be uh, around someone who's who is more vulnerable uh, to getting sick. And so they need to protect themselves to make sure they're prepare, pr- protecting their loved one. And so what we want to do is we're not going to criticize anybody for what they do. We're not going to uh, look down on them. We're going to embrace everybody. We're going to be relationally warm with all people. So that's what's going to be happening after June 15th. So, uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, we'll still, we're still wearing our masks. But the week after that, if you're vaccinated, please come, you know, be crazy. So, uh, this is, this is great. I have a story. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but it is a great story about that this morning. Um, also, real quick, uh, just to acknowledge again, we're having revival prayer tonight at, at 6.30 p.m. And let me tell you that we as followers of Jesus more than ever, I, I feel like we've become hugely political and how we talk about Jesus and how we live out what it means to follow Jesus in our community, in our world. And what I'm going to tell you is Jesus was not like super political. In fact, you know, when, when Jewish, uh, you know, when they were looking for a Messiah who would come and conquer, that wasn't the Messiah Jesus was. He came very differently. He came not to deliver Israel from the oppression of Rome. He came to deliver all people from the oppression of sin. Now, he will come again one day. And he's going to put an end to sin forever. But, um, you know, what our nation needs, especially from those of us who name Jesus as Lord and Savior, they need us to be in prayer. They need us to be in prayer. You know why they need us to be in prayer? Yeah. There are some things only God can do. Did you know that? In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at this this morning, and you keep reading through it, one of the things you're going to read is that nothing is impossible with God. Did you know that? Nothing is impossible with God. Is revival impossible with God? Is revival in our nation impossible with God? I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's very possible. God can bring revival to this nation, but I think it'll be in response to really following Jesus and, and praying for it. So we'll be doing that tonight, 630. Hope you'll join us. Uh, if you can't join us uh, live for one reason or another, maybe you have another commitment, I would just encourage you to take time tonight and pray again for revival for our nation. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10. If you want to open your Bible to Mark 10, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. Uh, Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking specifically at uh, verses 13 through 16, although I am going to be referencing some other verses in that in, in uh, Mark 10 uh, later in the message. But Mark chapter 10, verses, um, uh, verses 13. What? I'm having a hard time finding it. There it is. I'm going to paperclip it, all right? Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Uh, have any of y'all, anybody ever watched the movie Home Alone? Anybody? 
Any any of you have you ever seen it? I mean, if you haven't seen it, you need to take time. Not now, but you know, Christmas time. Take time, watch it. All right. Uh, but uh, in Home Alone, uh, it is kind of a funny movie. I've watched it many times. When you have young kids, you tend to watch the same movie a lot of times. Um, and if you've had that experience, and we had that experience with Home Alone and a few other movies, okay? Uh, in, in the movie Home Alone, Catherine O'Hara plays uh, the character of a mom with young kids. Her name is Kate, and she plays the part of this mom who goes away. They live in Chicago. They go away for a Christmas vacation in France, but she accidentally leaves her, I don't know, eight-year-old son, uh, Kevin, Home alone in Chicago. Uh, and so while they're celebrating Christmas in France, uh, Kevin is bravely fighting off cooks trying to break into their Chicago home and steal Christmas. Meanwhile, Kate, mom, she's trying to make her way back. Uh, she's trying to make her way back to Chicago uh, to rescue Kevin uh, and not even knowing what's going on you know, in their house and with these crooks and stuff like that. And, and on her way back, she meets this guy uh, uh, that we know as John Candy. Uh, Candy. Uh, as a character, he is, he's Gus Polinsky. Gus Polinsky. And so he's a part of this polka band. They are driving, but they're going to drive through Chicago. And so they're going to give her a ride uh, to Chicago. And so uh, Candy, you know, she, uh, first of all, uh, Kate, she's like super distraught about what she's done to her son. I don't know if you've ever had this experience as a, as a parent. I mean, not leaving your kids in Chicago while you go to France. I think most of us probably haven't done that. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you feel like, oh my goodness, I am a total failure as a parent. I have totally messed up. I don't know if any of you have had that experience before. I kind of have. And, and so that's kind of part of the reason why I relate to, to her character in this. But it is hilarious. And because Candy's trying to, uh, he's trying to encourage her by telling his own story, his own story of accidentally leaving his little boy all alone at a funeral parlor. Candy and his wife are so distraught over the death of their loved one, they drive away from the the funeral parlor, parlor and they leave their little boy there alone with a corpse until that evening. And they drive back, they pick him up, and, and Candy's encouragement to uh, O'Hare's character is this. Hey, you know, kids are resilient. They come around. They get over it. Uh, our, the little tyke was talking again after six or seven weeks. <laughs> you know, all of us as parents, we want to knew, know how to be really good parents in the lives of our kids. We do. And, and for those of us who might be aunts or uncles, for those of us who might be grandparents, we want to continue to have a healthy um, impact in the lives of our adult children, but also in their children. And so we liked, we want to know, are there three easy, simple rules for raising your kid? And I'm going to say, no, there's not, but there's 22, all right? I wrote them down. I wrote them down. And I think sometimes we're looking for the perfect way of raising our kids. And I want to share with you a few things, a few thoughts here, then we're going to dig into the Scriptures. First of all, children need structure. They do. They need a certain amount of structure in their lives, but also, and I see some of you nodding your head, you know this, children need structure, but they also need flexibility. 
I see a few more heads nodding. They really don't need one without the other. I mean, if there's all structure, uh, if, there is, if there is no flexibility, this creates an environment that really is not good for children. If there's all flexibility, no structure, that really isn't good either. Kids really need both, and we need both. Uh, they need, kids need lots of affirmation. They do. Children need lots of affirmation. They need mom and dad to build them up and encourage them. By the way, and not just mom and dad. They need this from aunts. They need this from uncles. They need this from friends. They need this from grandmothers and grandfathers. But they need lots of affirmation. They need you to listen to their thoughts, their feelings, their hurts, their joys. By the way, they need age-appropriate discipline. And what works at 2 doesn't necessarily work at 12. They need age-appropriate discipline with attention, getting consequences when they mess up. By the way, that's not the same for every child in your family. Uh, What we needed to do with Caleb was different from what we needed to do with Cass, was different from what we needed to do with Faith. But they need age-appropriate discipline with attention-getting consequences when they mess up. They need grace. They do. Kids need grace. By the way, so do you. So do I. But they need grace. They need to learn respect, how to show it to other people. They need that. Uh, They need to learn kindness. They need to learn wisdom. Uh, Babies aren't born wise. They need to learn wisdom. They need to learn courage. They do. There's always a time in a person's life where they have to face something that they're afraid of. By the way, that doesn't go away when you're 61. All right? It doesn't go away. But they need to learn courage, and they need to learn compassion. This is something, quite frankly, I'm so concerned about this in our nation. I believe we need to learn compassion. Uh, And and, uh, and there's uh, 12 more, and I'm not going to list them all right now. Okay? Because that's not what this message is about. But I believe that there is one thing above all things. That children need from mom and dad. By the way, your child may be an adult. They may be an adult. But there's one thing above all things that children need from their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, uncles, and friends. One thing above all things, and we're going to read about that in John, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. By the way, Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem in this text. And it's there that he will be arrested and betrayed, uh, betrayed and arrested and crucified. And so on his way, on his way, uh, this is a very serious time in the text. And that's important because what we see Jesus do is done in a moment uh, what for many of us, would be a time of great distraction. Matthew chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. This is God's word. People were bringing little children to Jesus. Underline those words. If the church does nothing else, I think this is what the people of God are supposed to be about. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples, you know the disciples, you know, Peter, James, John, Andrew, all those guys, 
Okay? And the word disciple is used two different ways in the New Testament. Sometimes it's used of the twelve who are also called apostles. But it's also used of all followers of Jesus. But in this case, he's using it of the twelve most likely. It says here, uh, but the disciples rebuked them. Rebuked who? Those who are bringing children to Jesus. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Literally in Greek, it means he was trembling, shuddering with anger. Okay? I, I, I know that sometimes we're, we're uncomfortable with that thought. That Jesus would be that angry that he would actually, you know, shake. By the way, what makes you angry says a lot about who you are. It does. The anger of Jesus was always holy. My anger, most of the time, really isn't. And that's the reason we sometimes struggle with this. But Jesus was angry in a very good way and for a really good reason. And it's interesting to see what he does with it. He's not ruled by his feelings, but he speaks from those feelings and speaks to what's most important. All right. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. This is why I'm here. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Basically what Jesus is saying, this is the most important thing I can do on my way to the cross. Spend time with children. Um, Verse 15. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not... Uh, circle that word will. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What gets in the way of receiving the kingdom of God is our will. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms placed his hands on them and blessed them. Let's pray, and I want to talk about a few uh, applications here. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. Uh, You show us what the perfect father looks like in God the Father. You are our father. God, my prayer is today that you would help all of us, not just those who are parents, but each of us to learn from this text what you want us to embody in how we think, how we talk, how we live. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. All right. So what is this text telling us? And and basically what this text is telling us, and this is, I'm going to give it to you in a sentence, and I'm going to break it down. Okay? There is only one way to come to Jesus. Okay? There's only one way. There is only one way. This is, there is no way to come to Jesus other than this one way. You must come to Jesus like a little child. Not a well-trained theologian. Not a great leader. Not someone with great riches or someone who has a lot of importance in the community. Not as someone who is a fantastic athlete that everybody kind of looks up to and applauds. Not like a rock star. 
There's only one way to come to Jesus. There's only one way. You must come to Jesus like a little child. So, and this has huge implications for us. So, bring your children to Jesus. Do not hinder children from coming to Jesus. And come yourself. Come yourself. Come yourself to Jesus like a little child. Not childish, but childlike. I want to share with you three things. Three things. Three things. First of all, this first thing I want to share with you, this first action point I want to give to you is uh, it's for parents, it's for aunts, it's for uncles, it's for grandmothers, grandfathers, but it is for parents. It is for neighbors. It is for neighbors. But this one thing is this. Bring your children. Notice I put it in parentheses. Because, yeah, I have my children. I, you know one of the things I love about my sister? I, I, I love Angie for a lot of reasons, okay? She's my sister, all right? Uh, but she likes to introduce joy to other people as the mother of her children. That she is their aunt. They place a special, they are hers. I, I like that attitude, that thought. That, that there is a sense in which my children are mine, but my children bear the stamp of the encouragement of a lot of people in this room. They do. There, there are people in this room who've had a profound encouragement, Jim. On my daughter, on other kids, in our church, when teachers teach, profound impact. Bring your children to Jesus. Yeah, the 22 things I listed, they're all pretty good. They are. I'll give it to you later if you want it. If you don't, I'll burn it. Okay? But, but you know, bring your children to Jesus. Uh, this is for anybody whose life touches a child. Okay? Bring them, You say, well, Gary, I mean, it's not like Jesus is physically present. How do we bring our children to Jesus today? Huh? That's a good question. That's a good question. The first way to bring your children to Jesus is this. Bring your children to Jesus in prayer. Pray for them every day. The, the, you know what? You know what? If you are a parent and you have a 45-year-old child who is an adult who doesn't want to come to Jesus, guess what? doesn't matter. Against his will... Against his will, you can bring him to Jesus in prayer. Do you know that? That doesn't mean immediately he's going to come to Jesus. But never underestimate the power of prayer in the life of your child. You know, one of my professors, Howard Hendricks, Prophet Hendricks, when I was at Dallas Seminary, great guy, super, super neat guy. Uh, you know, Prof Hendricks prayed for his dad daily for not just a week or a month and not just for a year but until just the weeks before his father died and his father finally came to Jesus. But bring your children to Jesus in prayer. Secondly, how do we bring our children to Jesus? Uh, bring your children to Jesus, not by preaching to them, not by preaching to them, but by modeling for them. Modeling for them what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is the reason that in an age of 
conflict and anger and resentment across so many lines politically and and uh, or even along racial lines and all these other things that we need to show our children the kindness and respect of Jesus. That, that Jesus went way out of, of himself to show kindness to people. You know, one of the things that I find profoundly, uh, I, 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 uh, it, it stirs me to think and, and, and ponder and, and, and wonder. And, and it's really fast. Anybody have been watching The Chosen? They picture this a little bit, but I love the way they picture it. But how I've always wondered to myself, I wonder how Simon the Zealot, understand zealots killed Romans. They assassinated them in public places. They would carry a knife called the Sicari. In fact, they later were called the Sicari because of the knife. But they would, they would assassinate Romans of influence in the community, in public marketplaces. They would come up when they weren't expecting it, and they would attack them, kill them. That, that the zealots would also assassinate and kill Jewish sympathizers, like tax collectors. Now think about this. You have a little church of 13 people. Jesus, who's the pastor, and his 12 disciples, and then a number of women, Mary Magdalene and a bunch of others, okay? How many? We don't know. But you have this little church. But in this little church, you have a zealot and a tax collector. The conflict here is way worse than a Republican and a Democrat, okay? But, but what we need to do is we need to model for our children the love of Jesus for all people, not just people who are like me, people who think differently and live differently. But I think that the way we bring our children to Jesus is when they begin to see Jesus in us. Okay? That's how we bring children. How else do we bring children to Jesus? Tell your children the stories of Jesus. You know? And if you say, well, I don't know how to do that. This is how you do it. Start today. Read Matthew chapter 1. Read it through two or three times. And I'll bet you you'll find at least one story in Matthew that you could, you could share with your children. Then chapter 2, chapter 3, you do this for 89 days. There are more than 89 stories as you work through all four Gospels. There, in in many, many of these chapters, there are several stories. You can spend a lot of time telling your kids the stories of Jesus. And, 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 and not just the stories of Jesus, but the stories of Scripture, but do it in an age-appropriate way. Now, when they start getting up towards their teen years, they're not always as eager to hear the stories. But but tell your kids the stories of Jesus. Sorry. I've been walking all over 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. Well, I kind of, yeah, okay. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, so uh, number four, make weekly corporate worship with your family a priority. I just think it's really important. I really do. I'll just say that as your pastor, you know. Uh, but make weekly corporate worship with your family a priority. Uh, okay, second second major takeaway. This is for disciples. This is for disciples. By the way, if you follow Jesus, you're a disciple. Okay, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are, according to the scriptures, a disciple. This is for disciples and or church people. All right. Number two is do not hinder children. Do not hinder children or anybody else from coming to Jesus. 
Now, a lot of us are going to be real quick and say, of course, we don't want to hinder children. We don't want to hinder anybody from coming to Jesus. But what I want you to think about is how do we hinder people from coming to Jesus? Okay, so a couple thoughts here. Not a lot. I'm going to give you a couple. Okay, how do we hinder children from coming to, to Jesus? Can you say fun? Fun. Okay. Can you say sucker? Don't be a fun sucker, okay? Now, I know that may sound kind of offensive saying that in church, especially if you're the church lady from uh, Saturday Night Live, you know. She would really be upset by being called a fun sucker, but she was, okay? She is. But some people, they just, they suck fun out of life. And sometimes church people do this. The Pharisees were fun suckers. They were. They just sucked all of the fun out of what it meant to be a follower, a devoted follower of God. They imposed this rigorous list of rules that went way beyond the teaching of Scripture. And and they made it almost impossible for people to follow God. And I, I remember years ago, I read this book that's called What's So Amazing About Grace? Now, I love grace. Oh, you've read the, the book, Jackie? Great book, isn't it? Yancey is a wonderful storyteller. He's fantastic. Probably written, I don't know, 25 years ago, something like that. Uh, it's a long, you know, it's been around for a long time. I don't know if you can still buy it or not on Amazon. It's a great book. Fantastic stories. Yancey is one of the better storytellers, I, I believe. He's just a really good storyteller. But he tells a story about a mom with, his, uh, with her daughter in church. And the little girl is like five years old, and it's more of a traditional church, like with the pews and all that kind of good stuff, okay? And the little girl is standing up in the pew. She's like four or five years old. That's what kids do. Standing in the pew, and in the service, she's turning around to the back, and she's smiling at the people behind her. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When a little girl smiles at me, it melts my heart. Iris drew me a picture today. I posted it. I put it on my office door. You can stop by and see it, okay? But, but this little girl was standing on her pew, turned around, <laughs> smiling at the people behind her. Um, and her mom said, stop it. Don't smile in church. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's uh, turn around, stop smiling, you're in church. And sometimes that's the message we give to kids. You know what, kids, I think they need room to play. Even at church, I do. And I think that we need to be careful not to be fun suckers because if we do that, we can hinder them from coming to Jesus. It's, church becomes a place that for them sucks. They don't want to come here anymore. Why? It's no fun. Uh, so... Do not hinder the children. Other ways that we hinder children from coming to Jesus, this one is huge. It is so huge. Hypocritical living. Hypocritical living. You know, we claim to be the good, or we claim to believe in the good news. And if we believe in the the good news, we should be living good news. That, That what we don't want to do is we don't want to be hypocritical about, I don't know, any aspect of life, you know. And when we mess up, we need to be the first to say, you know, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? By the way, asking your children to forgive you is very important as a parent. 
You need to be, you need to acknowledge when you've messed up and you need to ask forgiveness and you need to give him a big hug afterwards unless he's 45 and, you know, whatever, 45 year old. Okay. Still give him a big hug. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take, I'll take your word on that, Noreen. How old is Joey? 39. He's 39, still receives a big hug from mom. Okay. So, uh, so don't be a fun sucker. Uh, don't live hypocritically. Third, how do we hinder people from following Jesus? By speaking unkindly and being disrespectful of others. I see this so much everywhere in the media. Everywhere. I see this all over Facebook. I do. I just see a lot of disrespect, a lot of unkindness. And I just don't think that's the way Jesus would live. And I think that when we are living in that manner, we're giving a message to children that, quite frankly, can hinder them, or not just children, but other people from following Jesus. Following Jesus. Number one, uh, three messages in this text. Number one, bring your children to Jesus. Number two, do not hinder children or anybody else from coming to Jesus. Number three, number three, humble yourself and come to Jesus as a little child. Verse 15, truly I tell you, truly, I t- this, these are the words of Jesus, okay? These are not my 22 little wisdom nuggets at the beginning of the message. This is the word of God, all right? This is the eternal word of God. This is the unchanging word of God. And what Jesus says is he says this, truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Will never enter. See, we don't enter the kingdom of God as as trained theologians. We don't come into the kingdom of God by being community leaders. We don't come into the kingdom of God by having read every part of the Bible. We don't come to the kingdom of God by our achievements, by our religious works. We don't come into the kingdom of God by anything that would recommend us to God. Real quick, this is about the text, but this is about a little bit about how to study the Bible. Now, when I was early in learning how to read and study Scripture for myself, I oftentimes would see a story, see a story, see a story, see a story, but I oftentimes did not understand how those stories were woven together and woven together for a purpose. And oftentimes you'll see a story in the Scripture and you'll see another story laid right next against it. And in those two stories, there is a point of comparison that is the point of the text. Or oftentimes, there is in those two stories a point of contrast. Now, what is Jesus talking about here in this text? He's talking about entering the kingdom of heaven. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Okay? And he's talking to them about, he's saying here in verse 15, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not Receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What's the story immediately after this in Mark chapter 10? This is important. It's very important. 
In fact, this is the point of the text. And if you miss it, you miss everything. Because in the next, the very next verses, you read the story of a man who comes to Jesus, not just comes to him, runs to him. A man who runs to him, a man who is a community leader, a man of great wealth, a man of great achievement, a very religious man. And this man runs to Jesus, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, good teacher. Now, it's important to pay attention to how he addresses Jesus. He does not address Jesus as Messiah, Son of God, but he addresses him as merely a rabbi, a good teacher. Okay? So, yeah, he's giving him some respect, but he's not necessarily giving him the respect he's due. And so what Jesus does is he he kind of puts him in an awkward place. He makes this man awkward with his address with Jesus. And the way he does this is he says, why do you call me good? I think there's an awkward pause here. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, you and I know Jesus is more than a good teacher, right? He is God. And that's what we see as we read through the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit murder. Now, in this is what you need to see. You need to see the little bubble over this man's head. Okay? The man who's run to Jesus, the rich man, the wealthy man, the powerful man. There's a little bubble over his head. I know it's hard to see in the English text, but it's in the Greek text. It's there. There's a little bubble over his head, and what it says is, oh, check. I've never murdered anybody. Good. I am on my way. Okay? Then Jesus says, uh, you shall not commit adultery. Oh, ho, 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 bubble. Oh, well, okay. I, I have maybe, I was kind of distracted by that beautiful young woman the other day, but I have never committed adultery. Check. 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 So he's, he's feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Um, well, uh, you, you shall not steal. The bubble is there again. Oh, check. I have never stolen. Okay? I've gotten a really good price on some things I've sold. That's the reason I'm very wealthy. I've gotten a very good price, but I've never stolen. All right? I, I, I don't steal. Check. You shall not give false testimony. Oh, there's the bubble. Check. Yep. Never, never did that. Never bore false testimony against another person. Never, never did that. Never did that. Um, and then Jesus says, you shall not defraud. Again, the bubble. Again, a check. Check. Uh, it, uh, honor your father and mother. Again, there's a check mark in that little bubble over this man's head. You see, he's like, I've got it. I am on my way. I am entering the kingdom of God. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. And so he says to the teacher, his chest about two inches bigger than it was before. Teacher, all things, all these, I have kept since I was a boy. Remember who Jesus is talking about in the text before? He's talking about children. All of these things I've done since I was the age of all of these little children that have been around you here the last few minutes and while I had to wait so I could come and talk to you as the really important person. 
I've done all these things since I was their age. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you do not see this phrase, you do not see the heart of Jesus. You've got to see this. Because what it says is it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, this is the way Jesus intersected with people, is he didn't didn't come with scorn. He didn't come with contempt. He came with love. And even when he said hard things to people, it was always said with love, a heart filled with love. And then what he did is he looked at him, loved him, and said this, one thing you lack. One thing. See, with everybody, there is one thing. It's not always the same thing, but there is one thing in each of our lives. Oftentimes, the difference between entering the kingdom of God and not entering the kingdom of God, the difference between following Jesus and not following Jesus is one thing. There is one thing of supreme importance in our lives. And it's not Jesus. There's one thing, maybe a really good thing. By the way, career success, I would call that a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. I I think you should pursue that. I really do. You know, I I think, you know, uh, you know, achievement is not necessarily a bad thing. I think that can be a really, really good thing. But when we take things that are good things and we make it the ultimate thing, That becomes the one thing that is the difference between heaven and hell. Entering the kingdom or not entering at all. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. All right. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And what the scripture said is at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Interesting. Jesus never asked this of any other person. He doesn't ask all wealthy people to give all they have, uh, to sell it and give it to the poor. But he said it to this one person. One thing you lack. And sometimes we read this and we think, oh, I'm not like that guy. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm blessed and we have money saved up like towards retirement and, you know, we're on our way to paying off our home and, you know, we're, we're very, very blessed. But that, that thing is not the ultimate thing in our lives. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. Or a person could look and say, well, I'm not poor. I don't have to give all I have. You know, I don't have to sell it, give it to the poor because I'm the poor. I'm looking forward to receiving from that guy, okay? Here's the thing is you can be very poor and still be very, very greedy, very materialistic, okay? The point in this text is that with each of us, there tends to be one thing above the most important thing that gets in the way of eternal life, that gets in the way of entering the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter 
the kingdom of God. What were we talking about with, in the text before this? We were talking about, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter. We're talking about entering the kingdom of God. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about salvation. We are talking about, uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, we're talking about the difference between eternity with God and eternity away from God. Sorry. The disciples were amazed at his words because back then it was believed that great wealth was an evidence of great righteousness in a person's life and blessing from God. And so they were, they were wrestling with this. And so Jesus says to them again, and usually when he says something again, it's because they're not getting it. And he refers to them as children. By the way, kind of goes back a little bit to bringing the little ones uh, to Jesus. Children, these are his children. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? This sounds really scary. Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter, or, well, I'm not going to go into the rest of it. I'll just pause right there because I think that's enough. The point I want to make to this is that we need to humble ourselves and come to Jesus as a little child. We don't come with our achievements. We don't come with our great wealth. We don't come with our religious orthodoxy. We don't come as trained theologians. We come to Jesus Like little children. See, typically children don't have a lot to show or to give to another. And what you and I, the only thing that God really wants us to give to him is our broken, imperfect selves. That's what he wants. He doesn't doesn't want our wealth. Did you know that? Jesus didn't say, go sell everything you have, give it to me. He said, give it to the poor. I don't really need it. Uh, All he really wants is you and me. And he wants us to come to him like little children. What Jesus asks of us is to surrender. Uh, He asks with love in his heart. He wants us to surrender him. Our career success, our achievement, our success, our envy, our hobbies, our sexuality, our resentment, our unforgiveness... Political idolatries, a besetting sin or addiction. What is the one thing? What's the one thing that God wants you to give him? You know, I'm assuming, sometimes assume too much, that when I speak to our church, everybody here has really come into the kingdom of God in that manner. And I always believe, either for our YouTube watchers or Facebook watchers, for those of you here, there is always someone either present here or present on uh, YouTube or Facebook who really needs this invitation. 
And the invitation is simply this. It's an invitation of commitment to God. Uh, it, It looks something like this. Lord Jesus, today I want to surrender the one thing. Today I want to surrender the one thing that stands between me and entering your kingdom. I want to come to you with the humility and simplicity of a child. Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and, and, and rising again on the third day. I ask you to come into my life, forgive my sin, make me your child, and make me the kind of person you want me to be. What I want to ask you to do right now is to think about this. And maybe you've already made this commitment. If you have, fantastic. But if you haven't yet made this commitment, and today is the day you want to make this commitment, I want to give you the opportunity to do it. So I'm going to go through this prayer again, line by line. And uh, if you want to pray it, you can pray it silently to God in your heart. God knows your heart. That's what really is most important here. And uh, you will enter the kingdom of God. And you will be uh, born again. Um, Jason, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to come on up while I lead us in this prayer. Lord Jesus, today I want to surrender the one thing that stands between me and entering your kingdom. I I want to come to you with the humility and simplicity of, of a child. Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising on the third day. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me your child and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Quickly, and and I'm going to turn things over here here to Jason. Uh, If you made that decision today, either any of you present or if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, please contact me. Uh, You can reach me on my phone. I share my number all the time. 707-290-2485. And I'm pretty sure those numbers spell something. I should probably come up with a word. Um, But... Um, but I want to encourage you to call me on my cell phone or you can email me at gary at org, uh, or you can just tell me in person or, you know, whatever. You know, you can come over and help me mow my yard, okay? Uh, but I would really like to know about that commitment and also if you are a person who made that commitment today or if you made this commitment years and years ago, I just want to remind you of a few things. And that's this. Today, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. You are a child of God. You are in Christ. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today, you are a new creation. The scripture tells us that... that, that, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, it says, um, 
Yeah, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things are new. But you are brand new in Jesus. And so I just want to remind you, you are in Jesus. That's your identity. Your identity is in Jesus. It's not in anything, the things of this world. It's in Jesus. So, uh, and I want you to know this, that God is doing a good work in you. That he will carry through. Uh, to completion unto the day of Christ Jesus. And, and Jesus is preparing a place for you. And guess what? He's coming again for you. And this is why this is why the gospel is good news. And this is why we need to kind of put aside all the other things that divide us and start getting excited about telling people the good news about Jesus. By the way, we've got some little invite cards in the back on the table over there. Uh, I didn't have one with me when I met a friend, new friend, out riding my bike on Friday. Otherwise, I would have given it to him, but I did invite him to church. But it, just put one in your pocket, your purse, whatever. And if you get a chance to invite someone to church, grab it, give it to them. Say, we'd love for you to visit us. So, uh, love you guys. I'm going to turn it over to Jason. Amen. Why don't we stand up this morning as we sing, close out this morning. Learned a new song a few weeks ago, and I wanted to sing it again this morning with you, so let's sing this together. When all I see is a battle, you see my victory. Sing through. 
Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week.